Hello, everyone, and welcome to Off The Blocks Podcast Season 4. This is episode number 20. Thank you all very much for downloading our show today, wherever you are in the world, right now listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, another cracker show coming your way today as we talk to triple Olympic gold medalist from Tokyo, Aussie superstar, Kaylee McEwen. But just quickly before we get to that, guys, I'm very proud to announce the arrival of our own merchandise line, OTB Crew. It's very exciting. Uh, It's been a while in the planning, and the shirts are finally here and ready for you all to get your hands on. So please check out our social media pages for more information and the link to buy them online. Yes, we are selling them worldwide, so fans of the show from anywhere in the world can get their hands on an OTB Crew shirt and be a part of the crew themselves. Shirts are $35 each, and we are limited in our stock at the moment, so make sure you get your orders in fast. Not only are you purchasing a great style shirt, but you're also helping support the podcast so that we can keep bringing content to you each and every week. So head over to our Instagram page right now, click the link to shop online and become a part of the OTB crew today. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noosen's hand. But the symmetry of all eyes is the great Madame Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he's surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Vets in the black hats, and Vets is Norris. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe's in front. Thorpe in the hall. Thorpe goes in. Australia win. Joining me today on the show is one of our Olympic heroes in the pool from Tokyo just a few weeks ago, where she went back-to-back winning the women's 100 and 200-meter backstroke, as well as a bronze in the mixed medley relay. And who can forget the amazing finish to the games with the women's 4x100-meter medley relay, where the girls brought home one more gold for Australia at the end of the meet. It's a massive privilege to have back on the podcast four-time Olympic medalist and Olympic champion, Kaylee McEwen. Kaylee, how are you going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. It's good to be home, that's for sure. Well, that's what I was going to say. How good is it to be home? I mean, you guys, you're out of lockdown. You're around family and friends now. Oh, it's nothing better than getting home from being away for like seven, eight weeks to just lay in your own bed, you know, just be able to like spread out and yeah, not not almost fall off. So it's been amazing. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, how, how did those beds go over in Tokyo with the cardboard beds? <laughs> They actually weren't too horrible. Um, you know, Swimming Australia actually got us these little memory foam mattresses to put over the top. So it wasn't wasn't as bad as what some countries might have had. So we had it pretty good. Uh, you got looked after. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Now, you've been back. Has it sunk in a little bit more now what you actually accomplished over there? Because I could imagine it would have been hard for you guys. You're on such a high of, of you know, what an amazing Olympic Games you guys had come back you're stuck in little cabins for, you know in these little areas for two weeks now it must be the time that you actually it gets to sink in and you get to enjoy you know the fruits of your labor I guess yeah I think it's been actually quite overwhelming being at home and seeing the people who you know pushed me to go to the Olympics and do well over there so you know it was hard to like come back and you know tick all the boxes like not ticking the boxes but you know just to say thank you to everyone. There was a lot of people that I had to thank and, you know, 
<laughs> say, yeah, pretty much there's a lot of people I had to thank, but it's been really good to, you know, share the love back to them and show them that I'm grateful. But in saying that, like, it's also proven to myself, like, holy shit, I just got an Olympic gold medal. Um, and yeah, it's just unreal. Yeah. Did I see you had like a, your family threw you a party or something over the weekend, was it? Yeah. So actually there was a lovely lady. Um, her name's Kath up the street. She always comes by and asks me how I'm doing. And she actually organized it like a little street party. Oh, nice. It was the cutest and most sweetest thing. And, you know, my friends were all loving it because there was free alcohol. So <laughs> nothing, nothing can really go wrong there. No, not at all. Not at all. Free alcohol. I'm just upset now. I was stuck in lockdown here in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mate, give us a, a little insight for the listeners out there uh, into the Tokyo experience for you. Not so much the swimming. We'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, the trip over there, um, the village life, what was it like, you know, sitting in the in the dining halls with the Perspex glass right in front of your face and yeah. you know, all the protocols you would have had to go through? It would have been something you would have had to, you know, get used to pretty quickly. Yeah, 100%. I'm pretty fortunate in the sense that I've been in a village before. Um back in 2018 for Youth Olympics and then again in 2018 for Commonwealth Games. So I kind of had a bit of an idea of how a village works and, you know, the things that could go wrong. And, yeah, so it's just good to have that experience behind me. But going into Tokyo is a whole different ball game because of COVID and, you know, we had to wear gloves going into the dining hall, wipe down um, the little perspex boxes that we had to sit in with, hand wipes and all that kind of stuff. So it's just the extra measures. I mean, by the end of the week, we kind of got really used to it. Um, you know, something that I always hated was walking out of the room and realizing I've forgotten my mask and have to walk all the way back. Um, yeah, but, you know, they're the things that we had to do to be able to be there. Oh, mate, don't worry. That happens to everyone. That happens to me. I get out of the car just to go into the servo. I don't have it on. I walk into 7-Eleven. People are looking at me like I stole something. Like, <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, I've got to go back out. Like, yeah, it's just not like normal. Yeah, yeah. what's well, you know, I'm not trying to break rules. It's just not normal to think, oh, I have to put a mask on. So yeah, yeah, you're it's not alone. For all the sunglass wearers and glasses wearers for us because no, as soon as I put my mask on, it fogs up my glasses. <laughs> yeah. I can't see anything. I'm like, well, I might as well just take them off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. See, these are things people don't think of. Um, yeah. Who did you room with over there? So. Um, in our staging camp, I room with Molly O'Callaghan. She is so much fun to room with. Um, you know, she comes across as quite quiet, but she's like complete opposite. Um, but I actually was pretty fortunate to have my own room over there. Um, wouldn't say privileged, but definitely lucky. I did share an apartment with Kate, um, Tamsin and Arnie. So it was a quite a chilled room and we all really respected each other and yeah, just got the job done. Yeah, nice. It's funny you mention uh, Molly. I'm having her on the show in about three hours. So uh, I'll, I'll talk to her about uh, rooming with you in staging camp and how much fun you've got up to. How was the pool over there? Obviously, from an outsider looking in, it looked, it looked you know, incredible, um, yeah. you know, from the, from the, you know, pool deck itself to the stadium and all that sort of stuff. How was it? Oh, it was an amazing self. Honestly, it's probably um, one of the best pools I've been in. I've always said Budapest. Um, in Hungary was the best pool, but this comes pretty darn close to it. Not just because I swam well there, but just the facility itself. Like, oh, the Japanese have just done an outstanding job all around. There's a lot of talk before everyone got over there with, um, you know, warm-ups and swim-downs and pool space and all that sort of stuff. How did you find that with, uh, you know, having your swim-through sessions and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so the lead-up, um, the Australians had a scheduled time and we'd go in, so there was a lot more lane space. I think they did that for 
um, obviously COVID reasons and then the buses as well. But honestly, I just did what I was told and that worked for me a treat. Um, just yeah. give me a time and place and I'll be there. So, yeah, I, I didn't really, um, didn't phase me too much being told what to do. Well, I think, as you said, to your point before, you know, given everything going on over there, it was probably in everyone's best interest to just go with the flow and not let things yeah. get to you too much. Eh? So obviously it worked well for you. Now, before we get to your races, talk to me about you and your coach, Chris Mooney's decision to drop the 200 IM from your Olympic program. And looking back, we can say, well, Kaylee went 208-1 at trials and the winner, Ohashi, went 208-5 but we're not really taking into consideration the heats and the semis and the added, you yeah. know, extra stress that puts on your body. Looking back on that decision, how do you think? Um, I think it was the best decision I, well, we could have made. Um, obviously, I was pretty pooped by the end of the week. It's a nine-day meet. Yeah. And regardless, anyways, I had a few swims thrown in there that I wasn't expecting to do. For example, the mixed relay. No idea I was going to be put into that. Um so, yeah, I was really lucky in the sense that I was, we planned it out really well and it worked to a T for me because obviously our trials in Australia only go for six days and, you know, it's only the heats and in, in the finals, it's not the semis as well. So there's so much more physical and emotional stress that goes into an Olympic Games being the heats, semis and finals. You know, you've got to get up and swim the race three times. Um, so it would have been nine, well, hopefully it would have been nine individual races if I had made the 200 IM heat semis and finals. So it, it would have been a huge program, not as big as Emma's, but yeah, pretty, pretty big. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, I, I think it was a great decision. Um, but, you know, as I said, people look at those times, look at what you swim at trials and go, hey, hey, she could have got a medal there. But yeah, yeah no I originally, it was actually funny because after trials, I was like, yep, just going for the 100, 200 backstroke. Like there wasn't actually a discussion that happened between Mooney and I saying, when I'm not doing it. It wasn't until Rowan came into the pool and I did a media day at the university and I announced that I wasn't doing it. And then they pulled me to the side after and was like, well, actually, we think you are. So <laughs> it wasn't until a few days before where we actually just pulled the pin and said, you know what, like everyone's in red hot form here. Your first yeah. Olympics, there's a lot more pressure going around. Just focus on what you can focus on. Well, absolutely. Look what it took for you to win the 100 backstroke, and we'll get that in a minute, but it was almost your own world record. You almost had to go, go another world record just to win it. So you're right there. It was definitely a, you know, a red-hot field. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's get to, before we get to the final, the heats. Talk to me about the heats because I know there was, I think, was it three Olympic records that got broken you know, yeah. back to back to back? What did you think before you came out behind the blocks and what did, what did your coach Chris think of it when he – when he saw you were probably going to take that one on and, and have a crack at maybe getting a yeah. record where maybe it's a heat swim, so you don't have to, but now the competitive yeah. juices are flowing. Yeah, I guess it being of a nighttime as well, the heats, you know, physiologically your body is more awake and ready to go. So I was like, you know, first race of the meet, why not just see what I can do? And, and you know, I raced really well. Um, I raced quite strategically as well in the sense, like I didn't want to go out to lane four. Um, I, I stress out quite a lot. I'm a stressful person. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to be able to, you know, for the final take off my gear and my time and not rush to get behind the blocks. So, you know, from the heats, um, being my first event, it was pretty nerve wracking seeing the girls swim fast. I knew that it wasn't going to be an easy Olympics. I never thought it would be an easy Olympics because, you know, leading into it, there'd been three girls under 57 or even just 
I think there was five or six of us that were close to going under 57. So it, even in Australia, like it's just such a red hot field and it's really competitive. Yeah, well, let's get to the final. Uh, obviously, we just said it's a stacked field where Kylie Mass, Regan Smith, Emily Seabom was in there as well. What were your nerves like? You just said you're a very nervous girl in general in marshalling, but this is your first Olympic Games final. People like me can yeah. only sort of imagine these things. You're you're there, you're going through it. So talk to me about that. And and did it add any pressure on you going in as ranked number one world record holder? Did did that add something? like a bit of a target on your back or did you not sort of think about that and just think I've got to manage myself and do um, my own thing? Yeah, you don't ever not think about it. Um, there is that extra outside pressure from the media and, you know, the expectation to walk away the same ranking that you went in as. So obviously coming away first. Um, but before my final, I just went up to Chris Mooney, my coach, and I was like, you know what, it is what it is. All I can do is give 100%. If it's not what you want it to be, it's what I want it to be. And I'm happy that I've just made a final. Um, and even in saying that, I before the comp even started, I looked at him and I said, I just want to make a final. And if I do that, I'm happy. And he was like, I have a feeling you're going to do a lot more than that. <laughs> so it's good that he had the confidence in me. But, you know, I think that's just me trying to take down that pressure that is built there. Mm. Um but, yeah, walking out for that final, it was just the adrenaline. I actually had bruises all down my legs by the end of the meet from, like, you know, hitting yourself behind the block. <laughs> you're that hyped and you're that ready to go, you don't actually realise how hard you're hitting yourself. So the race, um, I've actually had a few people ask me to take them through the races and I can't remember anything because your body and your brain's just ready to go and as soon as you hear the gun go, you just, everything goes out the window and you just do what you're used to doing. Mm. Well, it's funny you say you can't remember the race. Talk to me about my, maybe marshalling. Can you remember marshalling? What were you like in there? You're taking the pressure off yourself, talking to your coach, saying, you know what, look, it is what it is. I'm going to do my best, but where the cards fall, that's one thing. Once you get in there and you're standing there and there's Kylie Mass, there's Rick and Smith, does it change or did you still stay yeah. you know, composed? I'd like to say uh, I like stay composed. I'm quite a chatterbox in marshalling, so you know, the 100 girls all were all, like, pretty chill and pretty relaxed. And I was trying to pick up conversations and no one was really having a bar of me. So <laughs> I was the one just pretty much talking to myself in the marshalling room. But, you know, that's what I've got to do to swim well. And, you know, if they don't like it, then I can't do much more about that. Wow, <laughs> but, no, they're such a lovely group of girls. And, you know, I've never had any troubles with them at all. Well, let's get to the race and race plan wise, no doubt you have phenomenal back end. Uh, I think you went down 28 to back 29 to, which is incredible uh, for all the young listeners out there. I think from an Australian point of view, so many standout performances from the Australian team and the examples that stick out, uh, you know, with sticking to a race plan, trusting the process. How hard was that to do? on the biggest stage that you've ever been on. It's one thing to say, okay, we're going to, you know, Queensland States. We've got to stick to our race plan. Yeah. This is an Olympic final. Uh, and we know that Kylie Mass is probably going to go out pretty quick. So your race plan is obviously back end. Was it just a matter of backing yourself and trusting that process? hundred percent. Like I said before, when you get in the pool, it's almost just autopilot. Like your body knows what it has to do. And I knew as soon as I hit that wall, it was 11 to 12 kicks off and then just get up and go. Um, you know, and I, I knew that those girls were going to be in front of me, but I had to have full faith in the training and just trust that I had the best back end there. And Mooney actually said that to me before he went out. He was like, 
you just got to go beast mode on these girls. He's like, I've never seen anybody be able to push 27s in training. So you've got this. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just keeping it cool and sticking to the race plan. It, it's not as hard as some people make it out to be because when you train it enough and you race it enough, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Well said uh, a good half a second faster than the other girls on that back end. Have you had anybody tell you that uh, you left it really late and you gave them a heart attack though, because I definitely from my lounge room watching, I was getting major anxiety thinking I, I trust her, but she's leaving it. Like, can she just get there a bit quicker? <laughs> yeah. Um, hundred percent. And even mum said to me, she was like, at the, the last 25, I just, oh, I was just so nervous for you. And I was like, yeah, it's all right. I still had 25 meters to go. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to give people a heart attack, but you know, that's just the way that I do things. And even in the 200, I was the same. I think I was like third or fourth on the wall um, most of the turns as well. So yeah, you just got to do what your body's best suited to. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, you know, a lot of those standout performances from the Aussies, you know, came in that way, in that fashion with the back end being a lot more dominant. So it was a stressful week. That's for sure. It was a successful week, but it was a stressful week, which was good. Kept us on the edge of our seats. Now, talk to me about the moment that all the kids listening will dream about now. And no doubt you have dreamt about, you got to realize this, you touch the wall, you turn around and your name is number one. What's your first thoughts there? Is it because, you know, is it relief? Is it like, oh, thank God I did it? Or is it exhilaration? What was your first sort of reaction to it? Yeah, I think my post-race interview sums it up quite well. Um, you know, I was actually looking for my name around fourth and fifth and I was like, oh, mate, I've got DQ'd. Like, where's my name? And then I look <laughs> at the top and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I cannot believe I've just done that. And I think there's a photo of me the moment I realised my jaws just dropped to the ground. <laughs> so it's, it's such an exciting moment and it's like, I've just done that. You can like, you can't do better than that. And like looking back now, I wish I did take that moment in more and just really realize what I had accomplished. And, you know, it's funny, people do tell you to do that, but I couldn't emphasize more just being more present in the moment. Yeah. Well, mate, no doubt you've got a long, long career ahead of you. So you, you'll be able to make sure you do that the yeah. next time you're in those moments. Now, you know, so much of what we do uh, in our sport is is team orientated and, and no doubt a big part of your team is your coach, Chris Mooney, for a very long time now. How special was it to share that moment with him winning an Olympic gold medal? Yeah, Mooney's actually known me since I was about six years old because obviously he used to train Taylor, my sister, and I moved to Chris when I was 14 turning 15. So I've been with him for a chunky time now um, and we've we've got a really good relationship between the both of us. Um, he's almost like a second dad to me now. He's helped me so much over the past 18 months especially. Mm. Um, so to be able to get off the podium and go give him a big hug and see this big man, like, you know, the scariest guy you'll ever see with tears rolling down his face, you're just like, you're just a big teddy bear. Come, like it was a special moment that I will will like never forget. Yeah, no doubt. Just on that partnership, talk to us a little bit about your training leading up to the trials and, and obviously the games. No doubt you're in red hot form, career best form, breaking world records, smashing PBs. What yeah. do you attribute that to as far as your training goes? Was it just you'd had a really good block of training, you were healthy, injury free? Did you change anything up? Um, I love training and I think team environment is a huge thing. And Mooney's worked really hard on getting the right people into my training. Well, I shouldn't say my training group, but, you know, into the USC's training group. And I think just being happy is a huge, like I always say a happy swimmer is a fast swimmer. 
Um, and I really emphasize that. Um, so yeah, I, it really just goes out to my teammates and obviously the um, sports stuff as well, like the gym coaches and um, physio and massage as well. So it's just a whole big group of us that just really had one goal in mind. And I think having that goal in mind just lifted the energy more and we were all just there for each other's best interest and push each other all the way to the end. And having that hype and just the extra motivation really helped me personally. And, you know, it just, just gives you that confidence that, you know, you've got a team behind you that supports you. Do you have any benchmark sets, mate, through the week that you and Chris do that, you know, even though it hurts when you get out and you've smashed it and you've done a good job, you take a lot of confidence away from that. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the listeners on this podcast are all coaches. A lot of them are swimmers and parents and that stuff. So I don't want you to get too technical. I don't want to give you a breakdown of your weekly schedule, what set yeah. this was and what. But like, do you have a set that you do that when you smash it, you take a lot of confidence out of it? Um, I can't say one particular session, but, you know, any suited session I do, I aim for it to be my best session. And, you know, you do compare it to... Like I would say at least once a week, we'd either do six to eight fifties dive max, um, sometimes short course, most of the time long course. Um, but yeah, just like comparing the times and, you know, skills and all that kind of stuff. But there's another set that I did. Um, I think it's 10, 100s best average. Um, I did it before short course, before I broke the turn to back shake world record. And I remember my times from there. And then I did it again, I think, a week or two weeks out before trials and, you know, my times were pretty on par. So it gave me the confidence that I was sitting relatively in the same kind of area. And I was like, okay, like I just need to relax now and just trust what I've done. Yeah. What did you get down to? What was your fastest that you've gone in training? Oh, well, the 10 ones is short course. I honestly cannot remember, but I know my average was 58. So I think I dropped to 57 on one of them. But yeah, <laughs> wow. uh, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. And that's a lesson to all the kids out there that, you know, practice makes perfect. And as you said, you're taking confidence away from it because you're yeah. doing, you know, those times that you need to be doing the Olympic games in your training. So no doubt you took a lot of confidence away from that. Um, yeah. did, did I read somewhere? Now you can answer this or not answer this, but uh, Chris is, is moving to Bond. Did, did, you know, are you, yeah. do you have any decisions around what you're doing there or? Um, I have made a, like a bit of a plan in my head. Um, it was a big shock to me that Chris was moving down to the Gold Coast. I'm not, you know, the Gold Coast is a mix between a city vibe and like a beach vibe. And, you know, I'm a girl that loves her space. Um, the Sunshine Coast can be a bit busy for me sometimes. So I think for now, my plan is to really just stay on the Sunshine Coast and see what coach they do bring into USC. And hopefully it allows me to stay here but if not you know I will go down with Mooney again and go for another three years but you know like I said before it doesn't affect our relationship we've been with one another for the longest time and he understands and respects my decisions and you know I respect his decision to start a new journey down the Gold Coast as well it's never going to be be the end but yeah like I said you never know what can happen yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of uh, coaching movement going on around uh, post-Olympic Games time. So yeah. people look out, I think you're going to see coaches popping up all over the joint. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, athletes move around all the time. So it's going to be so interesting to see where people end up and train. I'm, I'm really nervous in myself as well, because like I said, I haven't really been on this like stage before without Mooney. So I'm kind of just taking a leap of faith and hoping that I can land myself 
in a good squad in a good environment with a good coach as well. Well, hundred percent. Hopefully, you know, Swimming Australia and Rowan gets involved and make sure that yeah. you know we're we're looking after you and getting the right setup up there and within your team environment as well. Um, you had a fairly big program in Tokyo, uh, but still remained successful throughout the week. No matter what race it was, you you were up there. Talk to me about juggling that big program, staying focused. I talked to Arnie about it um, the other day, and you know, similar for you. You know, she came off the high of that four hundred, but still had to stay focused. You come off the high of winning your first Olympic gold medal in the 100 back, but you still had a job to do. How hard was that? Um, I don't want to sound arrogant, but for me, like I just switched off straight away because I was trained to, you know, not just look at the one job that I've done because I still had potentially, you know, six other races that I had to do. So, you know, I ticked off one box and that's all I was looking at. I was like, okay, one race down, this many to go. And, you know, it's almost like a countdown to the last race. And, you know, when you get behind the blocks with the relay team on the last day, you're just so hyped to, like, get the team across the line. And then when you touch the wall, you're like, I'm done. So <laughs> it's it's really just, like, you've got to train yourself to not get too taken away. And it is hard. Like, mum called me and she was in tears and she was so excited. I was like, just relax. Like, just chill. I'll be home soon and we can celebrate then. So, Yeah. Nice. I think it's uh, definitely a good way to look at it and a good lesson for all the youngsters out there just to, you know, not worry too much about what's ahead and just take yeah. it as it comes and enjoy the the moments. Now, another big moment for you was winning the 200 backstroke, as we said. Talk to me about that race. Were you less, more relaxed than the 100 earlier in the week, given you'd had success, so the monkey was a little bit off your back? And second to that was how special was that to share that moment with four-time Olympian Emily Seabom, who got bronze? Yeah, MC Bomb was away, uh, well, alongside of me all the way, um, you know, and she has been for a few of the Australian teams that I've shared with her. So, you know, to walk out for that turn of backstroke final, I was still quite nervous because even though I had won the 100, people were like, oh, can she do the double? Um, and same thing, like I said to Mooney, it is what it is. It's I've got to turn into another 100. It's not like the 100 backstroke. It's a whole other ball game. Um, but I knew I'd put the work into the 200 in cans. Like I was doing really good times and I swam the heats and the semis quite strategically, saving as much energy as I could, you know, especially it being towards the end of the week. Um, it did make me a little bit nervous that, you know, I was sitting around 208. So I was like, come on, Kaylee, like, you know, you've done better than this before. So, you know, I just had to give it my everything and to steam home on that last 50 of the 200 backstroke and then to see, to see my time and then look over and see Emma swimming towards me. I looked at her. I was like, oh, my God, you just got third. Like, it was such a special moment. And she was just like, I was ready to cry for her. And she's like, don't cry. You're going to make me cry. And I was like, you're going to eventually cry. Like, let's be honest here. Um, and, you know, I didn't get to see her for a little bit, but we met again in um, the ceremony room just before you walk out for the medal presentations. And she pulled me to the side. She was like, can I please put the gold medal around your neck? It would mean the world to me. I was like, yeah, 100%. And I was like, as long as you stand up on the podium with me and sing the anthem. So it was such a special moment. And she actually went to go walk down to, you know, third. And I was like, no, like you got to stay here. You can't just walk up and then walk back off. So it was such a special moment. And I think the both of us just really enjoyed, you know, it just goes to show it's it's really just the Aussie spirit. Um, and it goes to show how close-knit the Australian team is as well. 
Yeah, hundred percent. It was a, a massive moment. Uh, it hit all us Aussies in the fields for sure. Um, <laughs> watching you guys up there, so yeah, that was going to be my next question, but you stole it to say whose idea was it. But that's all right. Yeah, uh, it was a great yeah, and like four time uh, Olympian is a massive, massive achievement. Her and Kate Campbell. Oh, yeah. uh, to see them do so well um, was phenomenal. I think great, showed great leadership and and definitely, you know, great um, swimmers that all our juniors should be looking up to to show what's actually possible. You know, you can go to four Olympic Games and none of them have said that they're pulling the pin just yet. So there could be more fun to come. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. Like, personally, I couldn't see myself sticking around for four Olympics. Like, it's a hell of a long time to go through the ups and downs of the sports and both Kate and Emily have had you know, their fair share of ups and downs. And it just goes to show, like, no matter how much those knockdowns pin you down, like, those girls have just gotten straight back up and shown the world, this is who I am, this is what I do, nothing's going to take me down. So it's been an absolute privilege, really, to be on the same team as those girls. And especially MC Bomb, I've been with her um, throughout the marshalling and she showed me so much. Like, she just keeps her cool and, you know, she's always up for a chat. And like I said, like there's not many people out there who can say that they've won a medal at the Olympics and then gone to four others. It's it's insane. 100%. Now I want to get to the big finish at the end of the week in a moment. But before we get there, talk to me about the mixed medley. You mentioned um, before that, you know, you weren't too sure that you were actually going to do it. You're not the first person that said that to me, by the way. I think nearly all the people I've, that are in that relay pretty much have said to me, I didn't even know I was in it, but next minute, here I am. How much yeah. did you enjoy being a part of it and, and coming away with the bronze medal? Well, I was sitting um, in like a warm-up prehab area and Mooney came over to me. He was like, because this was the day of my turn to backstroke final. He was like, oh, just so you know, you're not done after the turn back. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm definitely done. <laughs> and he's like, well, like, you know, you got 45 minutes and then you got to get out and do 100. And I was like, I'm not doing no time trial. And he's like, no, I'm talking about the relay. <laughs> and I was like, what relay? He was like, the mixed relay. I was like, no, look at me in the eyes and tell me you're not lying. Um, so, like, it was just even then, like, I had to take that in and then switch that out of my brain and then switch back to the turn backstroke. So, he said to me, he was like, well, it was either me tell you before the 200 backstroke or after. And he was like, either way, you're going to be angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I wouldn't point. say I'd be angry. I was just would have been stressed. <laughs> so, yeah. like, um, you know, finishing the 200 backstroke, I had 300 metres swim down. Then I had to go to medal presentation from medal presentation straight to marshalling. So I didn't get a lot of time to really cool down. But even in saying that, I went out and did my best effort. And it's such an interesting race to watch up in the stands, but let alone be on the blocks and just see like females up against males. It's just a whole different ball game. And you just get so hyped because you don't know what's going to happen. So it's it's definitely interesting in a race. I hope I get to swim in the future. Yeah, for sure. From a spectator's point of view, it was definitely um, exciting and interesting and different, but, um, it, you know, it's brought out a few different uh, thoughts around it. Some people are for it. Some people are against it. Some people say, why are we adding stuff to the Olympic pro? I, for one, I just thought, it added an element of uh, unpredictability and excitement to it, which yeah. I thought was was brilliant. And congratulations to, you know, your teammates, Zach Stubbley to Cook, Matt Temple and Emma McKean on that bronze medal. Now we've got to finish on a high. We've got to bring it a home. And Kate Campbell and you guys definitely did that on the final day in the women's four by 100 meter individual medley relay. What a race. How much did you enjoy being a part of those special group of girls? Oh, I've never been in a relay before, especially not the women's four by one. 
And it's something that I've always dreamt of. Um, so it was as soon as I finished the 100 backstroke, I knew I'd be put into the final swim of that. And I was just so hyped and so ready to be alongside those girls because there's nothing better than being in a relay, knowing that you've actually got people cheering right behind you. And, you know, I think we were all just so excited to finish off the nine-day meet as well. So we were all just out there giving it our best and we really just had the best time ever. Um, I remember <laughs> walking out after my leg and just being like, I got to yell for Chelsea, but I need my air. So I was like, I was like, I'll wait till she gets to the 25 and then I'll start yelling. So I was, I was pretty run down by that point. But again, it was just amazing to see, you know, Emma get up for her race, um, last race of the meet. Her, like I said before, her program is absolutely huge. So for her to get up and do that for us was amazing. And then to Kate to top it off, just even better. Did you get nervous at the end, be honest, or did you back Kate in all the way? Oh, regardless, I was just happy for all of us. But, you know, it was a bit like, oh, who's going to get it? You know, but to see Kate turn around and see, like, we had won gold, the smile on her face. But then she was like, just hold on, guys. I think I might have got DQ'd on the relay changeover. I was like, nah, we're fine. And she's like, no, Kaylee, like, just just wait. And then I was like, nah, we're fine. Um so there was a little bit of stress at the end where we we're like, oh, did we win? Did we not win? But, you know, we ended up coming away with the gold. And there's nothing more special than to stand up on the podium and sing the anthem and not by yourself, but with teammates as well. I was actually really emotional. And I looked at Chelsea and she's like, don't cry because I had like water in my eyes. Um, but I think just the whole, like I said, at the start of the meet, you've got to switch off and really throw out those emotions that you've been bagging up. And by the end of the meet, I was like, just ready to ball. So <laughs> yeah. I did that. And yeah, it was just, it was a good feeling to get it all out. Did you guys get a chance to enjoy yourselves before you got kicked out of the village? Did you get a night to just, let's say, blow it all out, but just enjoy yourselves? Yeah, a hundred percent. All of the Aussies, well, swimming Aussies anyways, had to stay on level six of our um, apartments of the hotel, sorry, I don't know what you would, I don't know what you want to call it, but we had to stay on level six pretty much, so we couldn't really go anywhere in the village um, just because of COVID. But we had the best time ever. Um, we we're in the one of the boys' rooms, and I feel so sorry for them because they had the biggest mess to clean up the next morning. But yeah, we we definitely got to party and really enjoy ourselves. Now we'll get to um, what you're planning to do in the next few months in times of winding down, but. As I said to you before, and and just on an Australian perspective, has it sunk in that you guys, uh, you know, are a very very special group of sort of once in a in a lifetime, to be honest, uh, athletes that have gone on to produce Australia's most successful Olympics in the pool? Is that something not just personally, but have you looked outside of that and go, God damn, we actually we uh, you know pulled something off pretty special here? Yeah, it's pretty cool to look back at. Um, I think it was Athens and see the names that were in that Olympics. It's pretty cool to be on par and, you know, like just a bit above those guys in medal tally. So it's pretty phenomenal. And I think that goes out to Rowan as well. Like he's pieced together this Australian team and held us all in such great form. And, you know, individually with our own coaches as athletes, everyone just came together and we had a job to do and we just did our best at doing that job. What do you attribute that to? I think I asked um, Maddie Wilson and the boys the other day, they're on the OTB crew podcast. And I, you know, was talking about what do you attribute the, you know, that camaraderie to, was it the event camps? Is it that some of you guys have been together now for a while? So you know each other quite well. Do you chat outside of it? Do you have sort of um, games nights? I know through COVID last year, there was some games nights on, on zoom and stuff like that. What do you attribute the, 
the tight-knit camaraderie to that team culture? I think it's all of the above of what you just said, to be honest. Like, it's just a huge mix of all of it. Um, But, you know, we have these team meetings where we, well, I've been a part of this team meeting before, but it happened in Cairns and, you know, Rowan got us all together and was like, you know, as athletes and as staff, we all want you to know that we've got each other's backs. Like, you know, we, you know, when someone has a bad race and they just want to shy away in the corner and they feel embarrassed for themselves, but, you know, as Australians, we all learned to come together and really support one another and just say, you know, I've got your back. You know, you did it, did the best job you could. I'm not disappointed. And you know, nobody's disappointed in you just get on and you've got, you still got another job to do. So I think just knowing that the whole team has your back and there's no bad blood between anybody is such a huge relief. And it just is really uplifting to have a team that's full of support. Absolutely. I think it's going to continue for a few more years to come for sure. And I've said this to to all the Olympians that I've had on the podcast. I think we're going to see the benefits of what you guys did uh, in Tokyo, you know, for the next decade, even leading into Brisbane 2032. I think you're going to see some really red hot junior swimmers coming through in 2032 that were inspired by what you guys did in Tokyo. So I thank you very much for that, mate. Now talk to me about your plans over the next weeks or months what do you what do you do do you chill do you relax do you get straight back in do you have something that you've got lined up or you're just like you know what I'm just going to chill for a bit honestly I've just been going day by day um there's a few things that I've got to do um with like welcome homes and all that kind of thing so a few birthday parties and catch-ups that I've got to go to as well which I really enjoy doing being social and especially spending two weeks in quarantine seeing really nobody apart from the people you've spent seven weeks with but um, I think I'm going to stay at the pool for at least another two weeks, just really take a mental break from the pool. I actually went for a bit of a swim last week and I was like, I do not feel amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I am not coming back for at least another two weeks. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to take that time to let my body just relax all together and, you know, just really think about what my next three years is going to look like because, like I said, I don't know if I'm going to be going down to the cold coast or staying on the Sunshine Coast. So I've really just got to lay everything out on the table and take time to think what's best for me. Mm. Um, and I think just time away from the pool is going to allow me to do that. Does anything outside of the pool um, contribute to that thought process? Do you have any eyes on studying or, or you know, looking at a, you know, um, a job position, I guess, in the future? Not right now, obviously, you know, no one wants you to retire from swimming, but yeah. do you have an eye on the future and go, okay, well, how can I start to work that in? Any hobbies or anything like that? I just know... Um, like I said before, I'm more of a, not a country girl, but I like my space. So like I said, I'm a huge believer in where you live is going to make you happy. And that's what I'm mostly looking for. Not necessarily the jobs or the swim. It's just what's going to make me happy as a person. Um, and everything else just comes along with it. Hopefully um, it's that easy, but you know, I'll, I'll always find a way to make things work. And if they don't, I'll try something else. So it's not necessarily to do with Uh, what I'm planning to do outside of the pool. It's just, you know, obviously my family is here and Taylor's on the Gold Coast. So either way I do have a bit of leniency on where I can go, but it's also just like the friends I've been, I think I've moved through 11 different houses and I'm ready just to choose one location to stay in. And I think the Sunshine Coast is hopefully going to be that location. You mentioned Taylor, your sister there, an Olympian in her own right. Did she give you any tips uh, when you went over there? Obviously, being there herself before, did she give you any sort of an insight into what you're about to walk into? She just said, you know, you can never prepare yourself for an Olympics, no matter how many competitions you do. She was like, an Olympics is just another ball game altogether. 
Um, and she did say, once you get behind the blocks, you know what you're doing. And like I said, I, I did feel that way. You just switch into autopilot. So she was 100% right in that sense. But, you know, people go there and it's like, this is the Olympic Games. But at the end of the day, it's just another pool. And I think that really helped me get across the line. It's just like, oh, this is just another pool. I know what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, Taylor's helped me in so many ways. It's not funny. Absolutely. It's just, it's a pool in it, mate. It's got 50 meters. It's got water in it. It's got a block. You dive off it and away you go. It's no different. So well, well said. Now I like to finish our chats these days with a little bit um, of some Google questions. Now it's mainly because I'm too lazy to ask the fans to send in questions, but I also think it's interesting to see what people are actually Googling about you. Um, Some of them are strange, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll start with the first one. How did Kaylee McEwen start swimming? Um, well, obviously my sister swam. There's a six-year age gap and mum and dad always wanted us to be water safe. So growing up with pools and living in Queensland, the beaches are phenomenal. So I think it's so important to know what you're doing in the water because you don't want to have one of those freak accidents where, you know, you do lose a life. So I couldn't emphasize more to just be water safe and get out there and learn how to swim. Yeah, absolutely. And open our pools back up here in Sydney so the kids can <laughs> learn how to swim. Oh, yeah, anyway, yeah, don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> another week of lockdown starting to get to me, I think. The cracks are appearing. Um, is Kaylee McEwen related to Emma McKeon? And this is just anyway. Yeah, we're not related whatsoever. The I mean, our names are similar, but we're not similar at all. Um, and it, it actually frustrates me quite a bit because people call me Kaylee McKeon. I'm like, no, that's not that's not <laughs> me. <laughs> Guys, like, come on, it's not that hard. There's a W in there. Um, and Emma's, you know, told me a few times that she's also got McEwen thrown into her name. And I was like, how? You're like the most famous person I know. How can they get your name wrong? And there's even been a few articles where it says like we're sisters and all that kind of thing. So I can see where some people get confused. Yeah, it frustrated me when I read it, but I was like, oh, it is a Google question. So I have to <laughs> put it in there. The next one is, is Kayla McEwen single? People well, are some perverts out there and they want to know. <laughs> yes, I'm single at this point in time. There you go, people. So you can stop Googling. Uh, where is Kaylee McEwen from? I am from Caboolture, born in Redcliffe, though, but mainly grew up up in Caboolture land and then moved to Sunshine Coast when I was uh, 13. Yeah, nice. Nice part of the world up there. I can definitely attest to that. Now, the next one is, does Kaylee McEwen work? I don't work um, at the moment. Swimming is my job. Someone once said to me, you know, swimming is a small blimp in your life. So lap it up while you can. Obviously that doesn't mean don't do anything else with your life. Like I'm, I've also got a business deployment behind me and currently doing an aged care course. I've just got to finish my placement, which is kind of hard to do through this pandemic. So hopefully that'll get done soon. Uh, the next one is, and this isn't my question, so don't take offense. Is Kayla McEwen deaf? Deaf. Yeah. Oh. That's a question. Oh, what'd you say? <laughs> no, I, well I'm said, deaf. mate. Well done there. You, you're getting very quick. All this media <laughs> time starting to sharpen you up. Well done. <laughs> no, I, I'm not deaf, but I can be quite selective in what I want to hear. Yeah, as we all can. Don't worry. My, <laughs> yeah. my two-year-old daughter is very selective on what she <laughs> wants to listen to. Don't worry. Uh, and the last one, um, we have to bring it up, and it was a question on Google, and I purposely hadn't mentioned it until now. What did Kaylee McEwen say on TV? Oh, F, yeah. I'm not going to say it like I said it on TV, <laughs> yeah. but that's good enough. 
Did you get in much trouble from from anyone for for saying that? No one that I thought would get angry at me actually got angry at me. The only person who said something was my granddad. Um, he's quite Christian in his own right and, you know, just really religious. So he didn't appreciate it at all. Mm. Um, but it was quite funny. I finished um, the on-pool deck media zone and then went out through the back underneath this grandstand. And I saw Kate Hutchinson, our media manager, and I was like, Kate, I am so sorry. I just swore on live television. She was like, Kaylee, I expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, yeah. good. Oh, I thought it was brilliant, mate. I thought it summed up uh, us Aussies very, very well. And to be honest, it was just you being, you know, um, genuine and just you being you. It wasn't you playing a character or being a robot or doing the same, you know, answers that everybody, the TV yeah. people want you to say. That was just you being you. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. And the worst thing was I swore. And then I realized I swore, so I swore again. And then I tried to cover it up by going, woo! (laughs) What was running through my mind to think that that was okay? But I I can look back and laugh at it. Oh, it's going to stick with you, don't you worry. That's that's an (laughs) iconic Aussie swimming moment that people are going to... 2032, when they're doing the Olympic coverage in Brisbane, you watch, they will flash back to you saying that in Tokyo, no doubt. (laughs) Now, a year ago, mate, I had you on the show and I asked you, when we redo this interview in two years' time, what accomplishments would you like me to add to the intro about you? And you said, I definitely want to be an Olympic medalist. I want to be up on the podium at the Olympics and have my country say, oh, look at our girl go. She's finally um, got herself up there. Now, 12 months on, mate, we can finally say that you did all of that and a hell of a lot more. How special is it to hear what you were thinking a year ago, but now know that you went on to accomplish that? I think it's every kid's dream to get up to an Olympic level. And, you know, it's another dream to even stand up on the podium and to reach both of my childhood dreams is such a privilege. Not many people can say that they fulfilled theirs. Um, So it's just so amazing to be like, wow, I've really done it and I hope I can keep doing it and keep my country proud. Mate, absolutely. You did us all very, very proud. I think it's a great time to wrap it up there, mate. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast and having a chat. Uh, It's not easy for you guys at the moment because obviously you're out of lockdown. You've got your freedoms then you've got guys like me saying, hey, do you want to come on and talk about swimming again? (laughs) So uh, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, And genuinely, you know, a massive thank you to you and the whole Australian team for what you did over in Tokyo. As I said, I think we're going to be seeing the the results of that for many, many years to come. People look back at Sydney 2000 uh, and what what an inspiration that was and, you know, what 2004 was and 2008 and the the results that flowed from 2000. I think we're going to see the same thing here. Um, Selfishly, thank you very much for entertaining me for a week in lockdown. We're stuck in our houses, um, but definitely people were hearing me screaming all the way down the street with you guys and your racing. Thank you very much, mate. And thank you for coming on Off The Block Swim Podcast once again. Thanks for having me on again, guys. It's been a privilege. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our good friends at Pro Swim Workouts. Thank you all once again for downloading the show today. Your continued support is always appreciated. And don't forget to check out our other weekly podcast, the OTB Crew Podcast, I'm joined each week by Lani Pallister, Lachlan Carter, and Josh Edward-Smith. We talk a whole lot of swimming. The crew give their own unique insider perspective on what's going on in the world of swimming, as well as special guest Olympians joining the show for some fun. We also talk music, movies, other sports, and generally just have a good laugh. If you're looking for a fresh swimming podcast, 
with a bit of mainstream twist to it, this is definitely the one for you. Join us every Thursday on Spotify and Apple Podcast for all the fun. I just want to be with you.